Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, The Cremation of Sam McGee, a poem, a ballad from 1907, and written by Robert W. Service. This is a... This is a poem that my father used to read to me um, at the dinner table. He just loved declaiming this this stuff. Uh, it's a very popular poem, and as you said, it's it's short. So um, there's an opening stanza uh, saying something, a scene setting. Then there's someone talking, and then goes back to whoever said that opening stanza. So. How about if uh, if we do the cremation of Sam McGee uh, together? Sure. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake LaBarge. I cremated Sam McGee. Now Sam McGee was from Tennessee, where the cotton blooms and blows. Why he left his home in the south to roam round the pole, God only knows. He was always cold, but that land of gold seemed to hold him like a spell, though he'd often say in his homely way that he'd sooner live in hell. On a Christmas day we were mushing our way over the Dawson Trail. Talk of your cold through the parka's fold. It stabbed like a driven nail. If our eyes we'd closed, then the lashes froze till sometimes we couldn't see. It wasn't much fun, but the only one to whimper was Sam McGee. And that very night, as we lay packed tight in our robes beneath the snow, and the dogs were fed and the stars overhead were dancing heel and toe, he turned to me and cap, says he, I'll cash in this trip, I guess. And if I do, I'm asking that you won't refuse my last request. Well, he seemed so low that I couldn't say no. Then he says with a sort of moan, it's this cursed cold and it's got right hold till I'm chilled clean through to the bone. Yet it taint being dead, it's my awful dread of the icy grave that pains. So I want you to swear that foul or fair, you'll cremate my last remains. A pal's last need is a thing to heed, so I swore I would not fail. And we started on at the streak of dawn, but God, he looked ghastly pale. He crouched on the sleigh and he raved all day of his home in Tennessee. And before nightfall, a corpse was all that was left of Sam McGee. There wasn't a breath in that land of death, and I hurried, horror-driven, with a corpse half-hid that I couldn't get rid because of a promise given. It was lashed to the sleigh, and it seemed to say, You may tax your bronze and brains. But you promised true, and it's up to you to cremate those last remains. Now a promise made is a debt unpaid, and the trail has its own stern code. In these days to come, though my lips were dumb, in my heart I cursed that load. In the long, long night, by the lone firelight, while the huskies round in a ring, howled out their woes to the homeless snows. Oh God, how I loathed that thing. And every day that quiet clay seemed to heavier and heavier grow. And on I went, though the dogs were spent and the grub was getting low. 
The trail was bad, and I felt half mad, but I swore I would not give in. And I'd often sing to the hateful thing, and it hearkened with a grin. Till I came to the marge of Lake Labarge, and a derelict there lay. It was jammed in the ice, but I saw in a trice it was called the Alice May. And I looked at it, and I thought a bit, and I looked at my frozen chum. Then here, said I, with a sudden cry, is my crematorium. Some planks I tore from the cabin floor, and I lit the boiler fire. Some coal I found that was lying around, and I heaped the fuel higher. The flame just soared, and the furnace roared such a blaze you seldom see. And I buried a hole in that glowing coal, and I stuffed in Sam McGee. Then I made a hike, for I did not like to hear him sizzle so. And the heavens scowled, and the huskies howled, and the wind began to blow. And it was icy cold, but the hot sweat rolled down my cheeks, and I don't know why. And the greasy smoke and an inky cloak went streaking down the sky. I do not know how long in the snow I wrestled with grisly fear, but the stars came out and they danced about ere I again I ventured near. I was sick with dead. Sorry, I was sick with dread, but I bravely said, I'll just take a peep inside. I guess he's cooked and it's time I looked. Then I opened the door wide. And there sat Sam looking cool and calm in the heart of the furnace roar. And he wore a smile you could see a mile. And he said, please close that door. It's fine in here, but I greatly fear you'll let in the cold and storm. Since I left Plumtree down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by men who moil for gold. The Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was that night on the marge of Lake Labarge. I cremated Sam McGee. How can anybody not love this poem? It's just got everything I love about. This is actually, I think, the poem that made me like poems because this is one I got. I, I got it completely. I enjoy it every time I read it. I love reading it aloud. And I think there's got, if anybody's ever going to love poems, there has to be a poem that does that for them. You know, the first one. And this might be mine. I think, uh, I'd never thought of you this way before, Jesse, but I, I think you've got a lot in common with my father. <laughs> we like to read it aloud. It's a fun it's a fun one to read aloud. And he obviously had great enjoyment with it. Um, and I, as, as you would guess, since I heard it when I was a child and listened to this grown-up saying, now here's poetry, here's mm-hmm. something you can enjoy. Um, and I did hear it, and I did enjoy it. Um, that I sort of took it in in that same sponge-like way that that kids often take in the statements and uh, and behaviors of their parents. Mm-hmm. So, yep, this is a poem. This is what a poem should be. It's something to share. It's a communal thing. It is, after all, a poem in which a storytelling is going on, and, mm-hmm. and we're supposed to enjoy it. And I did. But now, at your prompting, my friend, I've read it again as an adult, and there are other things going on in here. Um, and I don't know if these are some of the things that you had in mind when you said this poem has everything that a poem should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, one of the things that a poem should have is 
imperfection. It does have that. I love it. <laughs> I love its imperfections. For example, go ahead. What what do you what are you saying? Oh, I just I love uh, I love forced rhymes. Um, so when when he says, and I looked at it and I thought of it and I looked at my frozen chum. So he's repeating himself. It's kind of funny, sort of colloquial. And then he says, then here says I with a sudden cry is my crematorium. Ah. <laughs> Crematorium. That doesn't rhyme with chum, but he makes it rhyme, and it one. It's a. I I love forced rhymes like that. They they just make me smile. Uh, and it. I think it's designed to make you smile. And then of course we get a great smile in the story. I think that uh, you have hit on one of the outstanding uh, bits of of poetic invention in the story. Mm-hmm. Um looking at that crematorium. In fact, what characterizes most of this is that there are in virtually all lines, internal rhyme, and then sometimes alliteration. So I don't know how long in the snow I wrestled with grisly fear, but the stars came out and they danced about Here again, I ventured near. There's no variation in the rhythm. There's no variation in the rhyme scheme. The rhymes are perfect. The rhyme within the line is perfect. The rhyme between the lines is perfect. Then after a while, it's easy to dismiss. Um, I would like to suggest that this is a strategy on Mm. services part so that when you do get that strangely forced rhyme with crematorium, um, it stands out vividly. This poem to me has uh, something, a lot of things in common with Annabelle Lee. Mm. So Annabelle Lee by Poe begins, it was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden, she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. And in fact, anyone who's read this poem knows that it's, it goes on in such a perfect sing-song. It, it is so, it's musical, not in the way that one usually expects um, sophisticated poetry. It's musical more in the way one expects popular, mm-hmm. the lyrics for popular music. It just, it just works out kind of perfectly, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, then many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea. Da-da. And you forget that at the end, at the end, this can be read as a poem about uh, necrophilia. It is a poem about necrophilia, totally. Well, okay. So then, and then, for the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night tide I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride in her sepulcher there by the sea, in her, (laughs) by the sounding sea, right? So, you know, well... When I realized that what's going on in Poe, which is uh, an, a poet I know better than I know Service, uh, Robert Service, what, what I think is going on is that Poe, the author, is giving us a, a perfect machine in the poem as a linguistic construction to allow the speaker, call it Poe the narrator, um, that the speaker of the poem is seeking stability and solace in a world 
that is now bereft of his love. And he will do it by constructing this perfect poem, and he will do it by ignoring the moldering of her corpse and getting mm-hmm. into that sepulcher with her night after night. If she's going to be dead forever, he's going to sleep with her dead forever. So there is a harsh contrast between uh, the the prosody and the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if one hears Annabelle Lee in the background to um, the cremation of Sam McGee, the cremation of Annabelle Lee, if one hears Annabelle Lee in the background, you begin to notice some things. Mm-hmm. Um, in Annabelle Lee, we have a first person talking about how the gods envied them and took away his his bride, right? and, and she died. Um, but he wants to go, and he goes back to stay with her by the seaside. Here we have two men, apparently friends, and it's not God but harsh nature that took one away. Mm-hmm. And in, instead of finding a, a sepulcher at the seaside, at the, the margin, um, we get to the marge of Lake LaBarge, where we find Alice May, is the name of that boat, or maybe Alice may not, right? Or maybe it's not, right? <laughs> uh, and he uses that as the speaker, you, Jesse, who took the role of that speaker, um, he uses the boat not as the, I mean, he says it's going to be my crematorium, mm-hmm. but in fact, as the story is told, it's not a crematorium. It becomes a sepulcher there by the sea because it mm-hmm. does not burn up Sam McGee. Sam mm-hmm. McGee is sitting there quite happily. So I began to think about this. You know, so you've got the marge, you've got the death, you've got outside forces breaking two people apart. Um, but you've got uh, clearly a, a heterosexual relationship in Poe and a homosexual relationship. I don't mean necessarily that they were lovers, but um, it's, it's a male-male relationship in, in the cremation of Sam McGee. So Sam walks away and you know it's a joke i didn't like to hear him sizzle so because right? i know he's going to just get but no, it's I, cap 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 is the the main character right or the narrator right cap walks away because he doesn't want to hear him sizzle so uh he, right because he'll be in the he stuck him into the coals yeah he's, uh, he's cooking right but, yeah but he's a but when i thought he was cooked i went back now that's one of the many places in the poem where i not listening to my father tell it and me just going, wow, cool poem. I start asking, what's going on? Why does he go back? It's not as if he's going to gather the, the, the ashes. He's not going to stick his hands into those hot coals to get the ashes out. They're stuck out somewhere in the Yukon wilderness. He's, just, he's supposed to cremate the guy. Why does he go back? Mm. Right. I, now, there's another question. He, he puts him in and he said, then he sticks the, the corpse in. He says, then I made a hike for I didn't like to hear him sizzle. So and the heavens scowled. Right. That's mm-hmm. a lot like the, the very heavens envied her and me and Annabelle Lee. The heavens scowled and the huskies howled and the wind began to blow. It was icy cold, but the hot sweat rolled down my cheeks. And I don't know why. And the greasy smoke and an inky cloak went streaking down the sky. Nowhere in the poem is it answered why the hot sweat rolled down his cheeks. But let's say it's tears. Exactly. That this is not a reliable narrator. 
that in fact he does not want to admit something that's been going on. And I can think of a lot of things. One of the things I could think of is that, in fact, they're not just buddies snuggling in their robes, that they really do have a relationship that is um, not allowed to speak its name at this time <laughs> in history. That's one possibility. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, I think you can read the whole poem as if it were that. And he's carrying out the last rites for this fellow. And he he, he can't stand to hear hear the, the body that he has held and preserved um, being destroyed, but he can't bear to leave it without seeing what has happened to it. So that's one way to read the poem. Mm-hmm. There's another way to read the poem in which, in fact, it's not just nature that killed Sam McGee. Uh, these guys are prospectors. Mm-hmm. Um, they are sourdoughs. The, uh, the, the title of the volume from which it came um, is uh, Songs of a Sourdough. Uh, at least that was the title when it was published in Canada. In America, in the U.S., I should say, it was called The Spell of the Yukon and Other Verses. But it was called Songs of a Sourdough. And a sourdough is slang for a prospector or a pioneer, especially in Alaska and in the Yukon. In that very opening stanza, the one that's repeated at the end, it said, there are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. That's a very odd word, moil. Mm-hmm. Um, it means to work hard. And it particularly mm-hmm. means to work hard and get muddy in the process. Um, it comes etymologically from um, the same root that we get mollify. Uh, it comes from the Latin word meaning to soften. So the dirt gets softened by the water. Uh, things are mollified. They turn to mud. And if you work hard enough to, de- you know, you're in the mud. Well, that's what prospectors do, right? They're panning for gold in the Yukon River, right? These are men who are out there looking for gold. They're moiling for gold. And at no point here do we have the idea that they have actually struck it rich. We get no word about how they are doing. And yet, one of them dies, and the other one carries on. And this could be, this is another way to read it, that that Cap has, in fact, if not murdered, allowed Sam McGee to die, so that he now has whatever it is that Sam McGee has acquired. Mm. You know, when you get to the end of the poem, I should say the penultimate part, before before I come in and say again the opening, it says, and there sat Sam looking cool and calm, right? And he says, since I left Plumtree down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. Now, he had said much earlier or so, Cap reports him to say, rather than be in the Yukon, I'd rather live in hell. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what he gets. He, that's what he gets. He's getting to live in hell. And it turns out, compared to the Yukon, hell is a pretty nice place. So what is there that's going on in the Yukon? Is it just the fact that it's cold? Well, it doesn't kill Cap. So maybe the Yukon is a place of, you know, a number of problems. You know, it says the trails, the Arctic trails have their secret tales that would make your blood run cold. Uh, My blood doesn't run cold when I hear what at first seems to be a joke about a corpse that gets reanimated by being stuck in the coals. Mm -hmm. But my blood does run cold if I think the two men set out together prospecting 
And with the failure to discover riches, one of them decides, I'll just kill the other guy. Um, that's probably, that may be what it means when it says that, um, that the trail has its code and our guy has violated it. So, you know, when I get to the end of the part just before the repetition, since I left Plumtree down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. Well, that sounds terrific. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. The guy narrating, Cap, has just seen this, this corpse sitting there having a, a fine time. <laughs> That's the end of the story? Yeah. Right? What happened next? Did it turn out that it was uh, a ghost? Did it turn out that eventually he crumbled? Did you have a conversation with him? Did you shut the door? I mean, how can this be the end of the story? Unless Cap doesn't want to let us know the whole truth of the story. And maybe that's why, rather than going on, he creates the sense that the story has been tied up, that is, a bow has been put on it, by giving us the the first verse again. Well, ah, yes, now we understand. This is the kind of tale. He's admitting to cremating Sam McGee because it's a heck of a lot better than admitting to having murdered Sam McGee. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that either the homosexual reading or the homicidal reading is necessary or accurate, but I found it extraordinary coming back to this poem so many years after just enjoying its lightness with my father's reading that there are unanswered questions in the poem about the Mm -hmm. relationship of Cap to Sam McGee and the, the veracity of the supernatural event that Cap reports, there are enough unanswered questions that I kind of have to wonder what really is going on. <laughs> I like your your interpretations are are uh, they're they're funny because the the po- the poem is so light, um, and you're reading them so darkly. But that darkness is in there, absolutely, and it's it's the laughing in the face of death that this whole thing is about right um so the the normal reading the the traditional reading is that it's kind of like a shaggy dog story right you say uh instead of saying you know grandpa how many nazis did you kill in world war ii he instead of saying 14 or i don't know or you know whatever number it is um he tells a joke and this is a, a shaggy dog story what did you do in the war what did you do in the yukon Oh, let me tell you, there are strange things done in the midnight sun, right? And he said, "Oh, that is a, is about a guy who has to burn his friend." But it it starts off pretty much uh, right as soon as the guy's dead, he starts singing to the corpse, right? And it harkens with a grin, right? That that smile is not just on the on the corpse's face, which is literally you know a rictus of uh, teeth being pulled back by the by the frost and the and the drying out in the right it's like a horrible image because uh, he calls it that hateful thing that it's a, a clay right 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 uh, clay is once we come and clay to right right it's that that quiet clay seemed to heavier and heavier grow it's like a this horrible burden that's put upon him right and then we get this it harkens with a grin right like it's the sort of the mask of a horrible death and there's a prurient interest in that 
both from the listener and imparted by the the narrator and then i think that prurient interest right at the end um comes back with him opening that what why does you're right why does he open it up and he 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 says um i'll just take a peep inside right why you're right why is he taking a peep inside i guess he's cooked it's time i looked why is it time he looked isn't he done you're right. <laughs> and then what do we get? Oh, we get we get this crazy image of the guy sitting in the furnace enjoying the, the ah, basking in the heat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, it's the opposite. And then when we get that that repetition that would make your blood run cold, well that's exactly Sam McGee's problem is that he died from his blood being too cold, right? He died from being too cold. And so we get this this strange ending where we see the cap staring into the oven. His friend saying, please close the door. It's cold out there. I don't want to get any colder. Right? Thank you. Keep me warm. And and then we get this, oh, it'll make your blood run cold. No, it won't. It'll make you laugh. <laughs> it'll, it'll make you laugh the way Cap tells it. But if right. if there is actually a murder involved. Or a betrayal of some homosexual relationship, but we don't just somehow, regardless, you know, if if Cap capped Sam, right, um, then maybe the reason he's looking in that door is because he wants to make sure that there, in fact, is no evidence of his murder. Right. He wants to make sure the corpse has been completely consumed. And then... Imagine how Cap's blood would run cold when he realizes that there is a functional ghost there, that he was not able to destroy the body of Sam McGee. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, yeah, you, you, you can you can read it as, you know, uh, in the bar in Dawson, right? He's just come in off the trail, mushing all day. Right. Comes in and says, "Hey, where's Sam McGee?" Says one of the other guys. Maybe a young a young person's just in from uh, from the coast has come in on a sh- steamship. He, he wants to venture out and says, well, "What's it like out there?" Right? And he says, "Oh, there are strange things done in the midnight." And what 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 do you mean strange things? Well, I burned my friend. Why did you burn him? Why didn't you just bury him? Well, he can't bury him because he's it's frozen. Well, how did you burn him? Oh, let me tell you the story. Um, men who moil for gold, well, you, they see queer sights, right? And the queerest I ever saw was the night on the marge of the barge. So that guy who's telling – that's why I think it's fun that you did the opening and closing. That's a different person, right? Right. Was the night on the marge of Lake LaBarge, Bar- La I cremated Sam McGee. It's, it's the same person because he says I, Right. But it's also kind of a different person in that he's framing the story for us, beginning and end, saying this is ooh, a ghost story and explains why I did it. And maybe the constable, you know, the local uh, Northwest Mounted Police officers in the bar saying, what happened to Sam McGee? Ah, well, you see, I had to cremate him because it was his last request. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And therefore, you wouldn't be able, for example, to examine the body and find the bullet hole or examine right. the skull and find where I smashed it in with a with a pickaxe. 
That's uh, right. Um, Grub was running low, you know. Right, because he calls him a friend. But after all, they're together because they are men who moil for gold. That's right. Working really hard to to wrest wealth out of out of the earth. It's not easy to do. So it turns out then, uh, even with a poem that we we both grew up enjoying, um, thinking of as sort of quintessential happy verse. Um, the kind of poem that makes you want to go back to poems. And it seems so simple. There's always more to say. <laughs>